Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the Word of the King is, there is power. And we may say unto him, What doest thou? And today, the Word of the King, uh, my brother Jay Wolfgang is going to bring forth a message to you, straight from the infallible, inerrant, perfect, preserved Word of God. Uh, I pray now, may the incredible seed of the Word of God, which liveth in the body forever, by the power of the Holy Spirit, minister to your soul. Lord Jesus, it's that time, once again, Lord, for you to help me out here as I get ready to bring forth your word from the KJV. Lord, as Lord, you now, Lord, help me to preach your word, Lord, as if it may be my last time. Because, Lord, it could be my last time just as it could be. The last time for any person listening to be their last time to ever listen. So, Lord, we ask you tonight that you would help us to be attentive as if it may be our last time. Because it very well could be our last time. We ask you now, Lord Jesus, to help us to take your word and to use it, Lord, and reverence it, Lord, as it may be our last time. Because, Lord, we need to listen to it. For the word that you gave us, as inspired as it is, help us to do that which, Lord, that we need to do with it. Help us to learn from the life of Abraham, Lord, as he needed to learn from you, Lord Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to do all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Tim, now we're going to have you get ready with Genesis chapter 15. And as you're getting ready, we're going to get into our kind of our, our little theme song that we've been kind of using for these um, series. Jesus Take the Wheel, because it's kind of been our theme song with the life of Abraham, Jesus Take the Wheel, because uh, that's what Abraham kind of had to learn to do, so we're going to use that once again tonight as we get ready to do part four of Abraham, Jesus Take the Wheel.
Think about that. Ooh, glory. Think on that. Now, we're going to kind of do a little recap just before Tim reads to us our scripture. Genesis chapter 15. We're going to kind of do a little recap of where we've been so far. So as you get your leaves ready, they'll give you a little time to get your leaves there. Genesis chapter 15. But a little recap. We started at Genesis chapter 11, about the midpoint there, where Abraham was born, and then he got this calling. He was told to leave his family and his country to go to a place that God would show him. And then Abraham, by faith, took off. Can you imagine God telling you to go someplace that you've never been? Colton, now imagine God telling you that. God just says, Colton, get up. Uh, now, I'm not, whatever, hey, don't even worry about how much money you got. Just get up, get your sorry hide up and go. Okay? Don't worry about it. I'm just going to send you off. I'm not even telling you where you're going. Just go. Okay? Uh, like, well, excuse me. Uh, uh, forget your family. Leave your family. Leave your friends and go. That's uh, tough, isn't it? Uh, now, that, 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 that's what God told Abraham. And Abraham, by faith, just got up, got his sorry hide up, and left. Okay? And here he takes his wife, takes his family, just packs up and takes off. Lot, his brother-in-law, takes off with him. Now, all of a sudden then, as he's gone, all of a sudden he goes to Egypt. 
we find the first problem with Abraham. He tells that we call them half-truths, little white lies. Sorry, uh, Genesis chapter... We find that little problem, that little white lie he told. But because God blessed him with it, later we're going to find he says, well, because I got away with it, he does it again later as we're going to find in the story through Abraham's life. He told that little white lie because, see, Sarai, remember Abram was actually, Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai became Sarah. She was his stepsister, basically. She was born of his mother, but not of his father, okay? So she goes, he goes, okay, well, because she's not really my sister's sister, and they got married, he goes, okay, he tells Pharaoh and all them over there, oh, she's my sister, not my wife. Tells it a little half-truth. Doesn't tell the whole thing. And so, oh, well, he gets away with it, and they bless him with all this cattle and stuff. Later, he tells the same stinking white lie. Okay? We're going to find that out. So what does he go do? And now then he leaves when they kick him out of Egypt, right? Then all of a sudden, we get to Genesis 13. He leaves. God gives him this promise. Okay, Colton, if I tell you that as long as you serve God, Tim, if I tell you as long as you're serving God, he is going to bless your ministries financially. Now, is that telling you where God is going to send the money from? No. It just means God is going to bless you financially. It doesn't tell you where God is going to send the funds from. That leaves your brain open to any possibility. Well, that's what God told Abraham. He said, your seed, your offspring, is going to come from your bowels, is what he said to Abraham. And that was repeated from chapter 12 through chapter 13. And as we're going to see tonight, the same promise is repeated. We're going to see that tonight. And so that that leaves Abraham open to some possibilities as we're going to get into chapter 16 tonight. So uh, we're going to try to get these two chapters in. So, Tim, let us get into chapter 15, starting at verse, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Need I go childhood? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir. He that shall come forth out of thine own bowels, and shall be thine heir. He brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Tell the stars, thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought me out of the Lord of the Chaldees. 
Yet he just slants with hair. And he said, Lord God, what shall I know about so hair? He said unto him, Take me an ever of three years old. And she goat three years old, and a ram of three years old. And they took a dove and a young pigeon. He took unto him all these and divided them in the midst. Laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he none. When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, an hour of great darkness fell upon him. He said unto Abram, Know be surely that thy seed be a stranger, and a land that is not theirs shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation, whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. And the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. It came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoke and furnace, and a burning lamp passed between those people. The same day the Lord made a covenant of Abram, saying, Unto thy seed of I give in this land, in the river of Egypt, unto the great river, the river Euphrates, Kinnazites, and the Cadillacs, and the Hittites, and the Parasites, and the Ripians, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Gershites, and the Gentistites. Okay. Now, we've got a couple good things we want to see here. First of all, the promise of Abraham's seed. Once again, as I pointed out, but something we need to see here. As I said, it left him open for a wide open thought. It says, from his bowels. Now, come on, Colton. You even know this. Tim, you know this. It takes two to make a baby. Yes. Takes two. Takes two. Now, Abraham knows. Obviously, for him, that's pretty easy. And anybody that knows science knows that a male, his seed is good until the day he slips on the banana peel and falls in his grave. But a woman, after a certain age, she's done It's called menopause. Okay? Now, after a certain age, she's done. Back in that day, when a woman got to a certain age, she was done. Okay? Unlike today, when a woman gets to a certain age, well, they're still in vitro. Okay? Which is technically a type of surrogate. There's adoption. And there's foster parenting. Okay? But not everybody can afford to be a surrogate or afford to hire a surrogate. Not everybody can qualify as an adoptive parent and not everybody can uh, uh, qualify as for foster parenting. Okay? So, this part of what happens to Abraham and his wife Sarai, which was their proper names at this point, is interesting because when you study the whole Bible cover to cover, 
And now, of course, right down here, I had the original disc when I recorded it, which is on our website, and anybody that wants to read it and listen to it, it's a 29-hour series. It took two years to record the whole thing. Over 300 verses on marriage and sex. There's some things in there that, trust me, the churches ain't going to tell you, okay? I mean, we did some real serious study on this thing that they're not going to expose this kind of thing to you because they, they, they're still that old school. But this is something they're not going to expose to you here, okay? The fact is there are certain situations where God said, uh-uh, that ain't the truth, okay? Now, here's what happened. Abram, he's got this mindset that, okay, obviously I could take care of things, but obviously he knows Sarai is getting old. Now he's like, wait a minute. I've only got this one person who could be the heir, the the one to inherit but he ain't even born in my house. Wait a minute. And God says, now wait a minute, Abraham. It's going to happen. So Abraham believes God and it's counted to him. Then all of a sudden, we read of the unconditional promise or covenant between Abram and God. Traditionally in that day, two people, when they made a covenant, they would sacrifice some animals, and both of them, Tim, you know about this being Jewish, they would walk between the pieces together to seal that blood covenant. Question, everybody that read this, who walked through the pieces? Genesis chapter 50, who walked through the pieces? God did. Yeah, God, yeah. God was the one, as the fiery lamp, walked through the pieces alone. Alone. So this was an unconditional covenant by God himself, which could not be broken. It could not be broken. And, 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 and for your information, Kenny, I, I, didn't know about, I didn't know about that tradition of walking through the pieces. See, that covenant could not be broken because it was by God. See, thus Abram knew that this covenant could not be broken because Abraham was asleep. <laughs> See, Abram, if you notice, did not walk through the pieces. It was only God who walked through the pieces. Abram did not walk through the pieces. Only God did. It, it's a it's a figurative type of walking is what I mean. It's a, it's a figurative type of walking because obviously we know that God don't have feet, okay? But it's figurative in, in, in what I mean, the figurative language. Okay. Because it says God wa went through, the fiery lamp went through, so it's like as if he had walked but even though he didn't walk per se with feet, but it's like he walked through the pieces. So is what I meant, okay? For argument's sake, we're not trying to argue this point. It's just that it's like he walked through the pieces because that's what the, the tradition was that the two people for a covenant would walk through. But obviously, since God doesn't walk, 
He doesn't have feet. He went through the pieces. So it's pretty much the same uh, symbolism. So, But the idea was to illustrate that God was saying this is an unconditional covenant that, uh, that God was saying, I am the one who's going to, upon my word, fulfill all of this covenant. Abram, you have nothing you have to do to fulfill this covenant. It's all based upon my promise. All right, Tim, you want to start us into Genesis chapter 16? Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bearing no children, she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Pray thee, go in under my maid. May be that I may obtain children by her. Abram pardoned the voice of Sarai. Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram said, had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. He gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. He went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw, she conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. When she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and me. But Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. When Sarah dwelt hardly with her, she fled from her face. The angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way, to sure. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou? Where wilt thou go? She said, I plead from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress. Submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy feet exceedingly, and it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art a child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Israel, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. He'll be involved, man. His hands will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord and spake unto her. Thou God seest me. She said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Before the well was called, Beer the Horai. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bred. And Hagar bare Abram the son, and Abram called his son's name. Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and sixty years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Okay. Now, we find the real issue here. As I said, takes two. Takes two. All of a sudden, Sarah, Sarai, comes to Abram and says, Abram, I'm too old. I can't give you a child. So, why don't you go into my mistress, my maid, take her to be your wife, wife, and 
she can be a, quote, surrogate, unquote, for you. And you can have a child that way. And thus fulfill the promise. Now, first of all, Abram, seeing in his head a possibility, if you will, for the fulfillment of what God said. He had been told all this time that it would be through his bowels, through his seed, through his, quote, sperm, if you will. Nowhere did God say it would be through his sperm and Sarah's womb. Nowhere. All God said was through his bowels. So he saw this as a possibility of the answer to that prayer. So he said, okay, okay, I'll accept it. So he took Hagar as a second wife. Now, you also notice something here. Tim, would you give me the verse that said, God said it was adultery or fornication when God, when Abram took Hagar as a wife? There is no verse. There is none. Why? Because she was his wife. Sarai was his wife. When they are husband and wife, there is no adultery or fornication. It is only adultery slash fornication when the person is outside of the marriage union. That's the problem with people get in the church when they go outside of God's word. So, Abram took Hagar as his wife. Now, here's the problem where the Jews and the Muslims go a little off-ball, and I could see where the Muslims and those from the Arab race are right on this point, and as we go through the life of Abraham, I can see their point. I could see this. Later, as we look at the life of Abraham, it's how Abram later shoves Hagar out the door, if you will. We're going to see that. It's because of the way Sarai treats Hagar when she originally was the one who came up with the idea of the second wife and saying, well, you could do this. See, when she did this, she should have been sure from the beginning that it was okay in her heart. She should have said, okay, let's be sure. So for those out there that are ever considering such a thing, you need to make sure that it's A-okay 100%. Because this kind of thing can happen. Jealousy can happen. And then it goes on to say that when it happened, and then all of a sudden Hagar did have a child. All of a sudden, Sarai, because what? Competition. Oh, excuse me. Uh, competition has no place unless you're over there in the Olympics. <laughs> Amen. If you're going to be in the Olympics, okay, then you have competition. 
But then all of a sudden they had this competition, and then she goes back to Abram and says, Well, I'm sorry I did this because I got jealous. Well, why was you getting jealous if you were having competition? You know what I mean? And then, so she's the, then Abram says, I'm not getting in between you two. You were the one who thought up this thing. You do what you want. And so she sends, gets rough about it, sends off Hagar. Hagar goes to flee, and then the angel says, uh, no, you go back. And then tells her that there would be a great nation. Why? Because even though it wasn't the chosen nation, they were supposed to still be blessed. Sorry, uh, I hate to give the Jewish nation a little pointer here. The other children from Hagar were supposed to be a blessed nation too. Why? Because they are the children of Abraham. Not saying that the Jewish people aren't chosen, they are. They were chosen for a special person because they brought in the Messiah. But yet, by the same token, the other nation, the other children of Israel from Hagar were chosen just as much. Period. That's all there is to that. So, with that said, I think we'll close with part four tonight of the life of Abraham, Jesus Take the Wheel, and we'll pick up chapter 17 next time. Oh, we're told, but as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for cursed. Be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, we're told in the book of Galatians. Oh, but here it is. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shall cleanse you from all sin, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Menial, moral, sin, whatever you call it, all unrighteousness. God is faithful to forgive those who confess their sins to him through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection alone. For by grace he is saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours.